Hello, and welcome to the Heartland Teaching Podcast, sponsored by the UMKC Regional Professional Development Center at Union Station. Our mission is to bring educators together for meaningful conversations about the challenges and successes of teachers in the Heartland. So sit back and relax and enjoy our show. Happy Wednesday, Brett. Happy Wednesday. How are you doing, Teresa? I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, I'm just splendid. <laughs> splendid? Oh, yeah. You know, I'm I'm looking out my window, and it's not quite as beautiful as yesterday, but I think it's serendipitous that we're going to have a rainy day. You want to know why? Why is that? Because rainy days are meant for reading, and today I think we're going to talk about books. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's great. Yes, let's <laughs> talk about books, and yes, rainy days... Uh, yeah, I was thinking a Carpenter's song for some reason when you said rain, but rainy days and Mondays always get me down. Right? Oh, and why would it? Why would you bring up a Carpenter's song? My goodness! I mean, I know who the Carpenters are, and I might have listened to them back in the day, but no, I'm not going to bring up the Carpenters. Yeah. Okay. Well, next week we can talk Captain and Tennille. Okay. Oh, ooh, Muskrat Love. <laughs> See, and you knew. Well, I guess I, did I know. Too. I guess, I yeah. you know, I, I guess when you have a variety show, it, 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 it imprints on like little, little kids, you know, yeah, that is true that right. I don't. Okay. So, Hey, let's talk about books instead, <laughs> okay. because we could go off on a real Wednesday exchange tangent about some old school music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to do like a retro edition one day. I think it would just like gross out almost everybody below, you know, like uh, younger than we are. I think that would, that would, we would lose the. We'd alienate some folks. Yeah. We'd lose the three listeners that we have. It would be. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's look at the demographics and see if those three are in the right age range. <laughs> okay. That's a good idea. I'll do that ahead of time. We'll do some, some checking. All right. So let's yeah. talk books today. Yeah. Well, you know what? I mean, I love books and I was, I'm sure you've seen this too. I see it going all over Facebook that, you know, that um, highly accomplished leaders are people who read like some huge number, like a book a week or five or six books a month. And, um, you know, that like Bill Gates and Warren Buffett are just like known to be ravenous readers. And, and so there has to be something about the power of reading, even though I have heard that some of that statistic is not exactly right. They may read book summaries or skim or partial books, but it's neither here nor there. I've loved books since I was little. How about you? I have too. And I've, I've heard so much research about reading and what it does to your brain, like compared to watching TV or, um, mm-hmm. you know, just listening to a lecture and like the parts of the brain that light up when you're reading are actually the same parts as when you're living in reality. Wow. Yeah. It's like, you know, when you're just watching TV, your auditory and visual centers are stimulated, but not much mm-hmm. else. All right. But, but, mm-hmm. uh, but with reading, everything's stimulated. Plus, don't you think like with Bill Gates and Warren Buffett and well, I mean like, you know, Teddy Roosevelt was a, mm-hmm. you know, that not only that, but they, it was experiential to them. Like they were, they were experiencing through books and, they were also, you have to admit, they, they all were pretty wealthy and they got to travel all over the world. And so like, 
world traveling is also kind of in that form of book study, which is that you are experiencing things and bringing them back and being able to analyze that and bring it back to your current status and change things because you've seen more things. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I do think, and you have me pondering because, um, you know, we're going to talk about three different books, one from our youth, one that's like a favorite personal book and then a professional book. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, as you're saying that you had me pondering, especially the book from my youth and my personal favorite and how they really were exper- like an experience for me. Like I was in that moment and I was experiencing the same things the protagonist of the book or the characters in the book were experiencing. And, and it really has shaped my thinking. So you're spot on there. I mean, reading can change us and amazing ways right right so tell me about this book from your youth that that okay so um when i was maybe 10 years old and and let me be honest i could have named 100 books but when i was 10 years old i read this book called the endless step and step is s-t-e-p-p-e like the steps in the siberian okay and esther hotzig is the author and it's her story and it's her story of she was, um, you know, like a capitalist, a socialite, somebody of wealth in Poland. And in, you know, the early 1940s, um, she and her family were exiled to Siberia to work on a Jimson farm and, you know, had to go from being wealthy and being cared for by servants to living, you know, hand to mouth um, under Russian oppression and uh, working at Jimson mine. And I just remember so appreciating the resilience and just the creativity. And I don't know why this one moment sticks out from the book. I mean, 10 years ago was when I was 10 years old, that was a long time ago, (laughs) but she, they ended up being able to live in this hut near a town. And she thought, well, I need to make this look like a home And she used the peels of onion to dye cloth yellow to make curtains. And I thought, you know what? That's resilience. Like, I'm going to find a way to make my life better. Curtains, do do they matter in that situation? No, food and shelter does. Mm -hmm. But she needed that comfort and found a way to do it. And I, I don't know. It was just a great book of paralleling someone's life from being served to living in poverty to being resilient and surviving and thriving, more importantly, thriving in just, you know, the worst situation ever. Yeah. You know, interesting that you would say that because, you know, my question is always what makes you happy, right? Mm. And, and to her, she's finding joy in the yellow curtains, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's pretty interesting. That's, that's yeah. a neat it- you know, even in the worst circumstances, you're looking for a way to make yourself happy. Yeah. And she looked for beauty, you know, because that's what she was used to. You know, she had it all before they were exiled. And I mean, in the book, you can tell she knows it's trivial, mm-hmm. but it brought her joy. Oh, that's so, cool. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you have a book from when you were little that you rem- or younger that yeah. you remember? So, okay. So I don't know, you know, in 1976 or yeah, 1976, when we, when we had our bicentennial, right. I was, I was, little, yeah. I was like second grade or something. And, right. uh, but it was, but it was such a huge deal. And my, 
like we built this house in 76 that I grew up in. And when we did, my mom and dad like went all out on my bedroom with red, white, and blue uh, bicentennial decretage all over. (laughs) Okay. Everything was red. I'm not kidding. I'm not, you know, this, it sounds cliche, but red shag carpet, right? Um, Love it. A red, white, and blue wallpaper that wasn't striped. It was, it was like symbols of our bicentennial and Uh then a red, white, and blue shade for the, that, you know, that came down over the window. And then I had all this colonial looking uh, bedroom set, right? Okay. <laughs> okay. So, I love it. I mean, I almost wanted a mantle with a old musket over the top and a powder horn and all that kind of stuff. That would have been great. Uh, but so by the time I was like fourth grade or fifth grade, I, I kind of, I got into my mom and dad's library and my dad had um, a series by John Jakes called Oh, um, yeah. the, it was about it was about America. It was a historical fiction about yeah, America. I remember this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Kent Family Chronicles, right? And so the okay. first the first book of that was The Bastard. Okay. And, and so it was about a kid in France who came to America. He was not he was not legitimate, and uh, he made his fortune in America during the Revolutionary War, and. It was fascinating to me. And I think that's where that is what took me down the course of becoming a social studies teacher. Wow. Yeah. That, that was a big hook for you. It was. It made, it made me so interested in history that and travel and, and just, you know, seeing this country and understanding what the real beliefs were behind the people that started this country. Right. It, it was fat. It was just great. So that's so you mentioned that your dad, I think you said had the John Jakes books, right? Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause he would yeah. never have let me at that age read those books. No possible way. Uh, <laughs> I was, I, I, I was, I think it was in fourth grade and, yeah. I st- and I started reading those books and they had all kinds of stuff in them that, you know, John Jakes wrote North and yeah. South and right. You know, what, he's not, it's not, it's, it's not, not kid. Yeah. No, it's not for young readers. I mean, it's not. Yeah. So it's got a lot so of- here's what I think is interesting. We both picked books from about the same age, that formative age of around fourth grade, uh-huh. about 10. So I think that's interesting. I don't know what it means, but I just think it's interesting. Like, was that so, such a formative time? And then, I mean, I'm making an assumption because your dad had the books that your parents were readers, or at least your dad was. You know, uh, you know, this is the crazy part is I never saw my dad read a book. I never saw my dad read a book ever yet. Uh, my, and my mom read all the time. So maybe it was my mom's books in my dad's library. Ah, maybe. Well, I mean, my parents always had a book in their hand, like legitimately, like, you know, we might be watching TV and they would be reading. And I mean, to this day, my dad you know, whenever we talk, it's like, so what are we, what are you reading? And I mean, just ravenous readers. So, you know, we, I had that role model um, and it sounds like you had it with your mom for sure. Yeah. I remember yeah. the Thornbirds was really, uh, oh, like, gosh, like, yes. <laughs> it was, it Will was really, <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it like, it was, it was 
spent that that book had a broken spine in about 45 different places (laughs) (laughs) that is hysterical you're bringing back some memories for me with john jakes and the thorn birds (laughs) yeah so do you have a a book that's like a personal reading book that you know it's like man this is the book i love this book that you know from any time of your life uh yeah well this is yeah shoot well that's kind of different from what i wrote down i think but uh Okay. Well, no, or, you know, you're just a a personal reading book. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So another series, another historical, it's not historical fiction though. It's just straight up history and see, I'm, Uh I'm a nerd like that. I I read like, I like history a lot, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but man, I found this Thomas Cahill series about how thought began, right? How, how we, how we developed our thinking and the best book in the series is one called mysteries of the middle ages. And uh, it's about, it's just about uh, how we call it the dark ages, right? Between the fall of the Roman empire and the Renaissance. And that right. there's, there's almost a thousand years there where really, we, you know, in most history books, nothing's going on. Right. But his, his take on it was look at all these phenomenal changes in the way we think that were going on at this time that allowed us to go into the Renaissance and the, uh, and the Reformation and everything else that came after that. And so it's, it was just, it's just a phenomenal book because it, it talks more about people and their, and, and the way an individual has an effect on all the thinking around them, especially at that time. Wow. And mysteries of the middle ages, right? Mm-hmm. Thomas Cahill. Mm-hmm. And you said it's part of a series yeah it's uh there's it's just a series of of different books about uh just i think more about uh just the 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 rise of thought and thinking so huh. the, yeah well i so, i don't know why if it's the same time frame so you're the history buff and i'm not right So, you know, I'm like my quarantine wade through is pillars of the earth can follow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. See, thousand pages long. But when you were saying that, I was thinking about how thought has changed in that book through time. And um, it's not the Middle Ages per se. Right. Well, I think it It, is. I think I think pillars of the earth was right. It was, uh, you know, because isn't it the building of one of the cathedrals in it uh, is. uh, Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, it's yeah, same same time period. Think about I mean like you know so much what had been lost after the Roman Empire in mm-hmm. just engineering and architecture and everything else and how they were trying to get that that knowledge back. And you know, here's the thing, Teresa, this is the crazy part is like people don't think that we can regress. Right? Like, you know, uh-huh. that we can go back, but we did. When the Roman mm-hmm. Empire fell, you know, in Europe at least, not in not in Asia and stuff, but mm-hmm. it, in Europe, we went, we went backwards. We, we, you know, lost knowledge as right. opposed to progressing. Wow. Wow. What a neat connection. I'm probably, I'm, I think I have about 20% left in the book and I'm probably going to read pillars of the earth differently. Having had this conversation now. I love that book. That's a great book. Yeah. It's a big book. Yeah. But it's good. <laughs> Yeah. But it's not my personal all-time favorite. Okay, what's your what's your yeah. favorite? Although I will say I'm enjoying Pillars of the Earth and our listeners should read it. Okay. So, don't I, well, I think I can tell you why. 
So for some reason, the book Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, uh, John Barahart, is just a book that I think about frequently. And, you know, like The Endless Step, it's also a true story. Um, it's not necessarily a story of thriving during adverse um, situations, but basically it's a story of a murder in Savannah, Georgia. Um, there's a movie of the same name. Uh, of course, the book is a thousand times better, um, but there is a movie of the same name. But it's about an antique dealer who is tried and found guilty of murder. But what I really was attracted to in the book were the characters. Like the author brought the unique um, characters alive on the page. And it really gave me this clear experience of having gone to Savannah when you mentioned about reading as an experience, right? And I've never been to Savannah. It is on my bucket list. It's been on my bucket list forever. But the... Um, the people in the book were just unique and they were true to who they were. They did not care what people thought. Um, and they were just, it goes back to what was bringing them joy. And if it brought them joy, they did it. And they were lighthearted and eclectic and weird. And I just felt as I read that book that I was there in that moment. Okay. So that, all right. So let's tie this back to at the beginning of our conversation. Have you ever been to Savannah, Georgia? No, that's what I'm saying. It's on my bucket list. Okay, yeah, I, I was gonna say that's see that's the thing. It, that's not a bucket list. That's like a coronavirus. List. <laughs> yeah. you, need a, you need a, you know, I know we can't travel right now, but like, man, that you need to get down there like as soon as put book the flight now. That way, it's cheap. You know. Yeah. You hey. Good point. Good point. Yeah. And you're yeah, right. So, and you know, it did, does make me want to go visit that community and. Just sit on a bench in a square somewhere and watch the people. All right. So if you like that book, um, I'm going to, have you ever read The Devil in the White City by Eric oh, Carson? Yeah. That's about Chicago, right? Yeah. World's Fair. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and the murderer that was in that town at that time. Yeah. Um, man, that's been a few, I might have to reread that one because I don't yeah. remember it as vividly. That's yeah, a good one too. That, that goes right along the same lines. So, yeah. Just hey, another one. I know we said we were going to keep to a couple and we're going to get to professional reading, but I mean, everyone's talking about it now is uh, Where the Crawdads Sing. Have you read it? No. Oh my gosh. It is so good. It'll make you want to go down to like the bayou and visit, you know, that part of our country yeah. and go out and visit the bayou where the Crawdads Sing. So. Well, that's yeah, that's good stuff. My dad did a lot of work down in Louisiana with his business, and he was down there a lot. He'd always come back with a Cajun accent. It was weird. I love it. Love yeah. it. Okay, so you know we're supposed to be a professional podcast, sort of. No, we're not. We're just the Wednesday Exchange, right? But I yeah, think we can be whatever know. we want. I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but let's do talk about some professional books that are books that we you know think about a lot or. You know, kind of return to, I think you and I both, I'll be honest, I read professional books at a faster pace than I do my leisure books. Mm -hmm. And I think part of it is with my professional books, I'm just looking for the content and I get through it. But when I'm reading for pleasure, I want to relish the book. I want to savor it. I want to be in the moment. So I read 
personally at a much slower rate than I do professionally. Are you the same? Yeah. I, I mean, I, and then the other part is, I think I probably skim scan the professional books rather yeah. than just take them in full. Yeah. Like I, there's pieces of them that I take in full. Tilt, yeah. But. You know, one of the professional books though, that I really did savor and I read it slowly. And, and it was one of those that I didn't skim was uh, Lee Jenkins permission to forget. I don't know if you've read that before. Uh, nope. It is an older book. Um, but, I feel like it totally stands the test of time. And so what Lee Jinx Jenkins does is he talks about, you know, 11 different like root causes of why we're not successful in school. And the title is based on one of them is that we give kids permission to forget things because of the way we organize our teaching and our curriculum. Uh-huh. And as an elementary principal, I mean, I remember all the time, like fifth grade teachers would come and say, these kids don't know their multiplication facts. And the second and third grade teachers would say, well, they knew them in second and third grade. And they do. Well, we gave them permission to forget. That's right. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It is a really, and it's a a small book, but it's a great book. And it really gets down to just some of the things that we unintentionally do in education where we are like shooting ourselves in the foot by giving kids permission to forget and other things. Yeah. So I like, I like that so much. I'm going to have to read this book. So about Okay. So that sounds like a good one. It is. I, I recommend everyone read it. It's not a huge read. It's not, it has some, some data and technical items in it, but it's not weighty. It's not, you know, real weighty in that manner. Um, you can really get down to the nuts and bolts of it pretty quickly. So definitely everyone check out an older book, Permission to Forget. That's my recommendation. That's a good one. Um, So mine is um, a book called Coherence by Michael Fullen. And it's Mm -hmm. about right action for school districts, schools, districts, and systems. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I actually had read it once before but then i i had to read it for my um grad school stuff also Mm -hmm. and going through it as a kind of like a book study with the other people in the uh in the cohort that was fantastic because you know you could see how it every district has something different going on and how this idea of coherence and just having a coherent message being coherent with your vision and mission uh, be, you know, letting everybody know, being able to a good communicator, being able to let people know, you know, how they what they needed to focus on in order to achieve this mission and vision in your in your school district uh, is just, you know, everybody had a coherent message. It was just about, you know, good leadership, I thought. So that was a that was a really good lead uh, uh, read for me. But yeah, I think Michael another one is great. Yeah, he's, he's got a lot of stuff out there. He does. Uh, yeah, great stuff for teachers. Uh, I'd say one other, if I and I'm only supposed to say one, but I'll, hey, I'll give you one right. other. We can break all the this, rules. Okay, so this is this was one that I didn't think I'd ever really need, but it's by Lencioni, okay? And uh, it's The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Okay. And it really is a great book on just kind of analyzing how your teams perform. 
mm-hmm. and realizing where you need to start with all of your teams, uh, right. which is which his basic building block of teamwork is is that they have to trust each other. And more than just going to the corporate, uh, you know, doing a trust fall with each other and going to the corporate, they, you know, he, he talks about how you can build that team trust and then build the relationships throughout the team to make a strong team. I, I love that book. That's uh, a good book. You know, my favorite Lencioni book, and I like, I love that one as well. Um, read the ideal team player. If you yeah, have- you, you- you told me about that when I read that uh, not too long ago. Yeah, was, I really like it. Something. You know, yeah, being humble, a- hungry, and smart. You know, an ideal yeah. team player is humble, hungry, and smart. I yeah. love it. I feel like we could just make this the book talk show because we both love books so much. Uh-huh. Well, that'd be pretty easy. <laughs> that'd be easy. That'd be no prep, no, no muss, yeah. no fuss. So mine are The Endless Step. Midnight in the Garden, Good of Evil, and Permission to Forget. So I know we talked about others, but those are the three I bring to the table today. Okay, and mine are The Bastard, Mysteries of the Middle Ages, and Coherence. Fantastic. Well, I think if our listeners, uh, the three listeners we have, if they pick up any of those books, they won't be disappointed. I think that's true. All right. Well, Teresa, I'll see you next week. Yes, you will. I'm enjoying our Wednesday exchange. You got any ideas for next week? Um, wait, aren't we going to talk about the Captain and Tennille? I think so. All right, <laughs> 70s music. It's coming. <laughs> All right, I'll talk to you later. All right, bye, Teresa. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Heartland Teaching Podcast, sponsored by the UMKC Regional Professional Development Center at Union Station. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please hit the subscribe button so that future podcasts will be made available to you at the touch of your podcast button. Please feel free to leave your comments on this podcast or register for one of our events by clicking the link on the attached podcast. We hope that we see you soon.